talk a little bit today about uh, parenting in the pew. Uh, we're taking about three weeks to think of a couple or particular aspects of worship. Last week we talked about uh, how to listen to a sermon and those four important questions uh, to ask of a sermon. Uh, next week we're going to talk about family worship, very important part of Reformed piety. And uh, today we want to talk about parenting in the pew and uh, how, do we, how do we do that. There's actually a book. Uh, written by a pastor's wife. Uh, it's a little dated now. It's maybe 15 years old, maybe it's around there. Or so uh, I, be- I believe her name is Cassie, Cass- uh, Robbie Castleman is her name, uh, called Parenting in the Pew, small book. Um, it's about this very issue of bringing children into worship. Uh, I think she's, her husband, I think, is a, a PCUSA minister, I don't agree with everything she says, and she doesn't cover everything. It's just a short, encouraging book that I think most moms would find very helpful. But this is an important topic, um, something that I, I wish really we had a larger group here today, because the baptized children are members of the church. Um, I'm always reminding the children who want to come up and make profession of faith, they say, you know, Pastor, I want to be a member. And I say, you already are a member. Uh, you, every baptized child uh, of Christ to our sea is a member of the church. Every baptized child it, it must be a, should be a member of some local church. And that means that uh, that child grows up then in the church, uh, hearing the word of God, uh, coming to worship each week, and being discipled in the faith. And uh, it's a lifelong, slow process and it can be a difficult one Sunday after Sunday. Um, I was talking to somebody in this church. Uh, he'll, he will remain uh, unnamed, but um, with small children, a father. And he confessed that, he says, you know, sometimes it feels like Sunday, the Lord's Day, is the least restful day for us the whole week. Because, you know, they have several kids. And it's hard. You've got to, it's, it's like a logistical uh, challenge to get everybody dressed, ready, out the door, uh, get here to church, you're juggling, uh, you know, we're over there in the reserved for training area, maybe you're going back into the training room, in and out, in and out, in and out, and then you're finally done, you made it through, you're still alive, and uh, if it, you get home, and then it's like, oh, evening service, you got to be kidding me, uh, and so it feels, it can feel exhausting. Uh, totally get it. I know um, we have four children. Uh, two are grown. One is almost grown and out of the house. One is still in his, on his way. Um, but feel your pain. I understand. When we first came to a Reformed church, we had twins who were five. And uh, we had never been in Reformed worship in our life. We had grown up in Calvary Chapel. Kids were you know, raptured that way. Uh, during the worship service, and they were handed back to you. It was all farmed out. And uh, you get to a Reformed church, and suddenly it's like, well, no, you have responsibilities. You know, you're a parent, and you got to be a parent. And uh, we sat in the back, and uh, we watched, you know, at Escondido United Reformed Church, this is in like 98 or so, um, you know, all those rows going up to the pulpit, and just all these blonde kids, you know, Dutch kids, just sitting with, like, halos. And it's like, we'll never be able to do that. We just can't do it. We weren't raised that way. We, you know, our kids, you were one of them, Phil Howerzile. And uh, he had a halo over him. And, uh, and they, but they were, like, so well-behaved. And we thought, how, how are we going to ever pull this off? My kids were, it was like a jungle gym, you know. They were running, rolling and um, in the back. And now we felt like everybody was watching us. We thought that surely we are the big noise. Now, I mean, we probably did make some noise, and, um, you know, but it was entirely more, we felt far more self-conscious about what was happening than they did feel like, uh, boy, they're causing a disturbance. They're used to it. Uh, they're the squeals of God's people. And there is something here for all of us, if you don't have children even, that we have to be patient uh, with the little cries and squeals, which, yeah, let's be, let's be honest. It can be a little annoying at times, right? It can be a little annoying. You're trying to listen and, you know, but remember, that child has been added to the covenant community. What would you do? Would you have the child removed? Now, you know that passage in Scripture 
where the disciples, they go to Je- children are coming to Jesus, and the disciples say, hey, stop bothering him, stop bothering him, he's busy. And what did Jesus say? He rebuked the disciples, and he said, let, let the children come to me, suffer the children to come to me, for such be- uh, the kingdom belongs to, to children of God. And he welcomed them, and he blessed them. And so we have to bring children to Jesus. Now we can talk about, too, yeah, there's a point where we, as parents, we don't, we don't make people suffer, but, uh, but we also have to, there's a, there is a, a balance there. In the bulletin, if you have a bulletin, I'm going to steal this one. In the, big, in the bulletin here, it says, parents with small children, baptized children are members of Christ's church. Again, we have to remember that. And are therefore welcome to participate in the worship service. Um, please remember when you have a little one, you hear a little one squealing. If they're a baptized member, they're a member of Christ's church. If, however, you desire to pl- uh, a place to train your little one how to participate in the service without the fear of an unexpected meltdown, you may, you don't have to, but you may utilize the training room, which is over there. Uh, we've heard it referred to as all kinds of things, the penalty box, um, Thunderdome. Uh, my favorite is purgatory. It's, you know, because purgatory is a place of suffering, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's kind of in between, you know. And, uh, uh, and so you're not quite in heaven yet, but you're, you know, paying for your sins, I guess. Um, it's none of those things. It's a training room. And yes, it can be a little crazy at times, but it's only, we just provide it, you know, so that you have a place that you can go to without having to be afraid that your child's going to melt down and you're going to be embarrassed. Um, we also section off this section over here. I'll just keep reading. That, the training room is equipped with hymnals and a monitor to view and hear the service. We ask all parents of small children to be courteous to others and make use of the training room if their children are being disruptive during the service. Now, that's subjective, of course. I mean, how much is disruptive? You have to use your judgment um, and uh, that kind of thing. But likewise, we also ask all in the congregation to be patient with the sounds of the covenant and suffer the little children to come to Jesus, Matthew 19, 14. There's also an optional nursery for children under the age of two years. Okay, we get that. Um, one more thing, we have taken, taken a vow when there is a baptism of children. The congregation takes this vow. This is on page 131 in the back of the Psalter hymnal, and I've heard you say it. Unless you said, I refuse to say that. I don't think you did. Um, do you, the, this is after a baptism, after the parents make their vows, Do you, the people of the Lord, promise to receive this child in love, pray for him, help care for his instruction in the faith, and encourage and sustain him in the fellowship of believers? And then the congregation says, we do, God helping us. Now that's not just just empty words, we're making a promise. And there's a lot involved in that, um, you know, praying for the children of the congregation, that the Lord will work true faith in their hearts, that they'll make a credible profession, that they'll walk in the faith. That's one thing you can do. Helping out with Sunday school, that's another thing you can do. The Sunday school teachers do a lot. They put out a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Maybe you could help with them, uh, be an assistant in that way. It's a blessing to be involved in the lives of the heirs of God's covenant. And eventually you see these kids grow up. Uh, I've been here long enough now to see kids whom I have baptized. Uh, they are now uh, in high school. And pretty soon there's going to be the time when I perform a wedding for a child I baptized. And so it's a huge blessing to see the children grow up. You can participate in that. Um, that's one of the ways you can keep that vow. Another way we can keep that vow is by being patient with the little ones, by being patient. Um, yeah, it can be noisy. And so there's, there's, there's both sides here. There's the congregation and those without little ones. We need to encourage those with little ones. And then those with little ones, they have a, 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 quite a challenge. And so how can we help them? Uh, well, in the worship service itself, um, uh, there's 
quite a bit that we can that they can do. Um, but let's first talk about. Um, I'll just put this in a, in in five quick points. We're, re- we're reformed. We like five points, right? <laughs> that was a joke. You're asleep. Uh, how can you best parent in the pew? Prepare during the week. What I mean by that is family worship, praying with your children and for your children, maybe letting them confess the Apostles' Creed, having their, doing their catechism homework with them, not for them, but letting them say back catechism questions each day. There should be a time each day where this goes on because what you're doing is you're actually helping them become worshipers on Sunday. The goal, guys, is not for them to behave for an hour and a half. You're not getting on a flight and now, okay, now just behave here, okay? And I'm going to do everything I can to help you not embarrass me. Okay, I get that feeling. I get it. And maybe you do have a little bag of tricks and But the goal is not simply to get them to behave for one hour or 90 minutes. Well, sure, we want them to behave, and if they're disruptive, you got to go out. But the goal is to turn them into disciples, is to turn them into worshipers. And it's going to be a little messy and clunky at times. So we should just accept that. But one thing, the first thing we got to do if we want to help them become worshipers on Sunday is prepare during the week. If we don't open the Bible up with our kids, if we're not praying with our kids, if we're not asking them catechism questions, if they're never singing the Gloria Patri or the doxology, don't expect them to suddenly get all of that on Sunday. It takes effort from us as parents. Parenting is a lot of work. It's a ton of work. But you, it's, you only have so little period of time, and then it's gone. And those of us who have kids who are 18 or over 18... We know the, 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 the proverbial saying, it all goes by so fast, is true. It's true. And you wish you could go back as a parent. What parent doesn't feel that way? We all wish, oh, if I could only go back to where you're at right now, uh, struggling and feeling like, oh, you know, because none of us did it perfectly or did it right. But I'm telling you, this is a big one. Prepare during the week. Prepare during the week. Get them familiar with Scripture. Get them familiar with our songs. And we'll talk about that next week in family worship. But that's huge. Because that way on Sunday, it doesn't feel so foreign. They're, they're gathering with other people and they're seeing other kids. And, well, they know the Lord's Prayer too. They know the Apostles' Creed too. These are things that they do in the home. It's part of who we are as the, as the people of God. It affects our lives. So prepare for Sunday worship during the week. Secondly, prepare on Saturday night. (laughs) I don't know about you, but we have found over the years that uh, socks mysteriously disappear on Sunday morning. Matching socks, anyway. You can always find one. You can find like seven singles on Sunday morning. You know, and I, I used to think maybe there were demons in our house that Saturday night they come out and they hide. So uh, just a, a little common sense really will help the Sunday morning worship service a lot. And, uh, you know, if we're finding that, man, this is tremendously difficult on Sunday, um, which sometimes it is. But one thing we can do is say, okay, how well am I preparing the night before? Sure, logistically, I need the stuff. Let's be ready. And it's not just when they're infants. You know, it's when they're in elementary school, the whole bit. Um, but also talking with them about what we're going to do and, and reminding them that you have worship. Because, you know, little kids, sometimes they can wake up and they don't even know what day of the week it is. And it's like Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, we got to go to church. Uh, and uh, which is sad if that's the response. We don't want them to have that response. Um, don't despair if they have that response. 
They're fallen. They're a sinner. They're like you, uh, like me, and we fail. And they're just little sinners who often express themselves um, quite liberally. But the, the Saturday night preparing for what we're going to do helps them get in the mindset. You know how kids are. Tomorrow we're going to this place. Tomorrow we're going to that place. Or tomorrow you have school. We do, we do all this for school, right? We often pack lunches, get school clothes ready. That, so worship should be the same. But then also helping them. And then maybe, maybe you read the text with them the night before. So that way when they come in to worship, oh, we read this last night. That's how they, they think. It was in our home. Now we're doing it at church. My worlds are colliding. Now your worlds aren't colliding. The world that you're in is in God's world, and you're part of God's people, and these are your brothers and sisters. They're not just people who go to the same church as you. They, they, they live the Christian life the way we do, mommy and daddy and your brother and sister here in our home. And so preparing them on Saturday night, maybe, again, maybe going over their catechism question, making sure their, their catechism work is done, uh, but helping them prepare. The liturgy is posted uh, on our website almost every week. There's some times where um, we, we fail, but usually it's posted so that the night before you can prepare. Uh, there's even some in our church who uh, sing the hymn, or one, one or two of the hymns as a family before Sunday, so that when they come in, they're more familiar with it. Uh, just ideas. Again, these are all ideas. There's no law in the way in which you must do it. it. It can be done in different ways. But this is just wisdom. It's good wisdom for us to uh, help, our, help train our kids to be worshipers. The number three is the most important. Bring them. Bring them. I know it's hard. It's frustrating at times. There are Sundays, I'm sure, where parents feel totally discouraged. Um, but I want to say a few things about this. Number one, don't compare your kids to somebody else's kids. Whether somebody else's kids, I don't know, those kids. Or, like I had the experience in Escondido, why can't my kids be like the Dutch kids? You know, seventh generation reformed. It's in their DNA. <laughs> how, come I, how come mine are run around like pagans, you know? Uh, and so don't compare uh, because kids are different. And not only that, you'll see, you know, as many of us know, having multiple kids and then seeing them grow up, okay, um, one kid in your family is going to be different than another kid. Very different. Um, you know, our twins, I'll just share a little personal anecdote here just for the sake of encouragement. You know, our twins, we found shortly, it what did not take very long, they got it. Um, you know, at first they were monkeys on the jungle gym. And uh, Millie Kaminga, the pastor's wife, saw Janie. You know, this is like maybe our third week at a Reformed church where everything just was so foreign. It was so hard. We, just thought, oh, we love Reformed theology, but we can't do it. We can't be Reformed because of this. We're, we're so lame. And she was in the uh, foyer at Escondido. And Millie came up and said, oh, honey, it's just, just keep coming. Keep bringing them. Eventually, they'll realize this is what we do. And she was right. And they did. After a while, this is who we are. Just like little Kai and he comes running up to me in full sentences, telling me about his haircut that he got this week. And, you know, he's a little chatterbox. When he got here, not very long ago, he could barely get out one word in English. After a while, it becomes the norm. Same with worship. That's, that means you've got to bring your kids to worship. That means we can't have excuses for staying home. That means we've got to bring them. So on Sunday, it's this is what we do. We put clothes on before we go outside. We put something in our stomach, okay, before we leave the house. We, you know, we brush our teeth before we go to bed. And on Sunday, we go to church. If our kids are, are, are asking, as, as it was kind of sadly in the home in which I grew up, um, are we going to church today? Oh, see, that question should never be asked, ever. I'm sorry. That one you can control, 
That one should never be asked by a kid. Are we going to church today? I mean, what kind of question is that? Of course we're going to church today. And I don't want to be the hero of my own story, but this one's easy. This one you can pull off. It's just what you do. You go to worship. Um, There was one Sunday uh, since we went to a Reformed church in 1998 that um, we did not go to church. One, as a family. It was on November 27th, the year 2005, because Ian Brown, my fourth, was born at 9.27 a.m., three minutes before the call to worship. Uh, Great story. I'll just side story here for a laugh. Scott Clark, a friend of mine, professor from Westminster, asked, uh, you know, about a month before, hey, Janie's getting close. You know, if you need anything, you know, um, let me know. I can come preach for you. Okay. Um, I got up, as I always do, about 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm putting finishing touches on the sermon. Janie comes running in. It's time. You know, water broke. Okay, okay. Call Scott Clark, 5 o'clock in the morning. Ringing, ringing, ringing. I hear, hello? I said, Scott, it's Mike, Mike Brown. Yeah, baby, what's wrong? (laughs) He was so out of it. It was 5 o'clock in the morning. He came in, he preached, and... uh, and, and did a great job. A true story, by the way. And he does, I know he wouldn't mind me telling you. Uh, but he, he came in, and, and Ian was born. Point is, is that obviously we couldn't make it to the morning service. Um, Janie had cesarean. We had the kids there. Before we knew it, it's now 5.30. Because you know how a day is when you have a, a baby. And we're all in the hospital room together. And uh, that's the only time I ever remember one of my kids saying, Isaac says, um, are we going to church? And I said, well, you know, honey, you know, mom had the baby today. We have someone preaching. Today we're going to stay home. And he was like, dad, I, I really think we should go to church. <laughs> and I, he was just like, that is not right. You know, those planets are going to collide or something. And I had to assure him we would not be struck by God's judgment. Um, but I think it serves a good point, guys. I think it serves a good point. I hope you're not hearing that and think, well, you know, doesn't he think he's pious? No, I, it's that I think that's a no-brainer. It's just this is what you do. On Sunday, you go to church. It's not hard. It's just what you do. I mean, it, it, you know, if someone's really, really sick, yeah, they stay home. But even then, really, does a whole family of five or whatever need to stay home if one has the sniffles. No. And so we, we need to think about that, is that this should be the norm. If, we want, if the goal is for our kids to be worshipers, then the rhythm of six days of work, one day of rest, when we gather together on worship, it has to be ingrained into their lives. And that's what God has designed. So it's just natural. This is what we do. And I would also encourage you, you know, unless you live far, far away and you're unable to do it, or your little ones are just, they need naps right now, it doesn't work. Um, but tr- as soon as possible, get into the rhythm of morning and evening. So that they just, that's what they do. And it's a blessing. The kids that are here, and they're growing up together, um, you know, the families that, that come morning and evening, and watching the kids grow up together, they're, they're here every Sunday. And Sunday evening even is, a, is an important event. So bring them. Bring them, bring them, bring them. When, you're, when you come into worship, recognize that it's going to be in parts, uh, your, your progress. And so, um, yeah, they're an infant. It's kind of easy. They sleep so well that they can sleep through anything, and every middle-aged person is jealous of that. Uh, then they get a little older, and it's, you, know, you kind of make this progression. You know how it goes. Uh, maybe you have them in the nursery with someone or... Others say, no, I'm going to bring them in ourselves. We have that little area reserved for training where they're tra- we're trying to train the children to be worshipers. They get noisy. You've got to leave. Okay, well, recognize, you know, maybe we have our goals or our, our uh, standards up too high. Maybe uh, we're, we're expecting they're, go- they're going to, you know, love the liturgy and... Uh, talk about the sermon and be singing psalms, you know, while they're playing Legos. Um, 
Actually, Ian does that. Uh, but uh, the, the, you know, the thing is, is that you, you have to look at it like you're going to get little, um, little bites, little bites. And so you start by saying, okay, we're going to come in. We're going to try to make it this week you know, up to um, the first song. And so you have the call to worship, the invocation, God's greeting, song of praise. And then, and then they're, here, they're growing up listening to the singing of God's people. And then maybe they're, you know, they're doing well. All right, well, he hasn't squealed. Let's try to get through the reading of the law. And, uh, you know, maybe during the reading of the law, he lets out a huge burst, and you turn red, and you run outside uh, with the little one. Okay, don't despair. You made it pretty far. That was good. That was a good go. All right, you swam far. That's the, why are you discouraged? And so next week, try it again. And same thing. And maybe, you know, you just get a little further, a little further, and uh, you try to get up eventually to about the pastoral prayer so that they can say, well, first you try to get up to the confession of faith so that they start, you know, giving these little peeps of the Apostles' Creed. And then you get up to the pastoral prayer and they can say the Lord's Prayer. They're participants. You see, they're participants. They're entering into worship when they say the Lord's Prayer, the doxology. The, the Apostles' Creed, which are things that we should be teaching our children from the earliest age. When they, when they come home from the hospital, start teaching them the Lord's Prayer. Some, some parents even say the Lord's Prayer, you know, while the child is in the womb. And uh, start, start early, as early as possible, and be consistent as much as possible. Because then they're, they're, maybe they're lost, they don't know what's going on in the service, all of it. Little by little, though, they're going to start understanding. But then they hear something they can grab onto. Oh, we're, saying the doc, we're singing the doxology. We sing that after dinner. And again, now their worlds are colliding. And so you, you, you do your best. You're bringing them through that. And then, you know, and then maybe you can only get up to the sermon. Uh, I was going to say, you know, with our kids, they're different. Isaac was an angel. He was no problem. Uh, he, he was um, great. And then we had another little boy. We thought, well, he'll, he'll be just like Isaac, right? And uh, no, he was just the opposite. And uh, he was a challenge. He was a challenge. Some of you remember. And uh, during those, some of you are like, remember? We, we know. And he's still that way. But no, he, he's, he was tough during those toddler years. And there was probably, I know Jenny wouldn't mind me saying this, there was, pro- there was a period there where almost every Sunday, uh, Janie had to take Ian out and uh, take him out that door, out the other door, spank him. That kid got more spanks than all other three put together, probably before he was five. Because not every kid is different. And uh, he's also, for whatever reason, probably the most astute with Scripture. And... Uh, uh, and isn't a problem now and has made profession of faith. Um, but my point in bring that, bringing that up um, and exposing my own story a little bit is to hopefully to encourage you that it's different. And, um, and even with Ian, you know, we rejoice. He, he made profession of faith younger than the other three. When we, when, we, when we were in worship with him those first few years, man, it was like, this is Rosemary's baby, you know. <laughs> And, uh, but you just keep doing it. You keep doing it. And Janie was discouraged. She would, I can't count how many times I'd come home and say, so how was the sermon? I don't know. I didn't hear it. Uh, and she's crying. And some of you are like, yeah, I know what that's like. Um, I know it's tough. It's not easy. Marriage isn't always easy. Being a parent isn't always easy. But guys, this is one of the most important things you will do on this planet. We get all these dreams about, I want to change the world. I want to do this great thing or that great thing. This right here is one of the greatest things you will ever do. Ordinary, plain, messy, week in, week out, not always successful. Sometimes it looks crazy. But what's happening when they're in worship? They're hearing God's word. You say, but he doesn't understand anything in the sermon. Oh, really? You know what's going on in his heart. Please tell me what omniscience is like. We don't know what God is doing. The Lord can work true faith 
into the heart of a child who's in the womb. He is sovereign, and he's promised to bless his means. When John the Baptist heard the word of Mary rejoicing, he leapt in the womb. That's in Scripture. And we don't know what's happening in the child's heart, but we do know God will promise to bless the means. And of course, their, their abilities to understand everything, it's not there yet, but it's growing. It's growing. And so bring them. Let them hear the word of God. Let them see you confess your sins. Let, let them participate in the singing and in the creeds and in the confession. Let them, let them be a part of the service as much as possible. Yeah, if they start being too disruptive and you're worried about other people, make a quick escape, fine, when they're little. And then come up with ideas for you and your husband. You say, okay, I went into the, to the training room this morning. Now in the evening, I get to... And if you want, sit over here, far away from the, tra- the training, the kids being trained, so that you can really just focus. But, but use that. And men, help your wives out. Help your wives out in that way. Uh, be a team. So as much as possible, bring them, no matter what. Uh, real quick, before we open it up for questions and discussion, and I want to hear parents, what they find to be helpful Real quick, big one here, follow-up. Follow-up. What I mean by that is begin to ask, so what did, you, what did you learn in the sermon? What was the sermon about? You know, if we just bring them to church and then just go home and just turn on the football game you know, or do our thing the rest of the day and never ask them a question, what are we, what are we expecting then what, that, you know... Um, hey, that's the pastor's and the Sunday school teacher's job? No, it's, it's you have a, a role in this too. I have a role in this as, as a parent to ask follow-up questions. There's ones you can use every Sunday uh, as a parent. Are, this is printed for you. This is how seriously we take uh, the training of covenant children. We want to encourage you in that way. So you, you, don't, you can use your own questions if you like, I mean, but there's questions to discuss. But I think it's important that we follow up so that uh, even if it was a difficult, difficult Sunday, and you're just exhausted, and you just, ugh, ask them, though. Say, okay, what was it? And you'll find, as many of you know, just times of, of surprise. I didn't know you, I really didn't think you were listening at all. You know, um, one thing we do, too, and uh, we've always done in our house, um, again, not that we do everything perfectly, but just to give you ideas, um, <clears throat> you know how the, in the Sunday service, we always sing some psalms, right? And I have it printed there. We've done this ever since the beginning where we have the number, so it's number 121 in the Psalter hymnal. The title of the song is, O God, do us show mercy. But then right before that is Psalm 67. I'm real particular about that going into the, into the bulletin so that everybody can see that we're not just singing a hymn, we're singing a psalm. We're singing something that's in God's word. So, one thing, and I actually, inher- I actually got this idea from the Godfrey household. Um, Dr. Godfrey uh, did this with his kids growing up. We, when we get home at lunch, we don't do our regular devotion. We do our devotions Monday through s- Saturday. But on Sunday afternoon, we go home, we eat lunch, and then uh, I'll say, okay, what, psalm did, what psalms did we sing? And you can't look. And if you're paying attention, then you know what psalms... You, you sing in the service that day. Um, so for us today, it was Psalm 67, and then Psalm 69, and, uh, and then the, they'll say, oh, I remember Psalm 67, Psalm 69. Okay, then we read one of those Psalms, and that's all we do, and we pray, and that's it. Um, your kids will start to get to know the Psalter. They'll start getting familiar with the Psalter. After a while, they'll, so, they'll get so good at it that they'll know which two psalms we sang, and they'll pick the shorter one to read. <laughs> uh, but again, there has to be some follow-up. It, there has to be a connection, guys, between bringing them to worship and the home. It can't be disconnected. It's not like going to a ball game or going to the movies or even going to school. It, this is who we are as believers. It's our identity. And so the worship service is the highlight of our week. It's where we go to meet with God. But then flowing from that, this is the chief part of our piety, is the prayer, 
the listening, the singing uh, on the Lord's Day, but then growing out of that is the, uh, what goes, play, goes on in the home, takes place in the home. And so follow-up is a, is a big one. Finally, uh, I want to encourage you to make the Lord's Day a delight. One of the reasons why kids don't like going to church is because they think Sunday's a bummer. Sunday's a bummer. Sunday is, you know, if our kids grow up thinking weekend, you know, it's my weekend, um, a term that I, I, I just rubs me the wrong way for a, for a Christian to say that. Um, it's not about my weekend. You know, have a great weekend. Um, it's the Lord's Day is a special day. One of the reasons why kids don't like it is like, oh, it interrupts my weekend. I got to go to church. I get dressed, go to church. It's so boring. Got to sit there forever. Uh, and, and then we come home, and it's like, why did we do all that? We could have... But what if we try to make the Sabbath a delight for our children? What if we make it a special day, the way we make our holidays special? And who, what kid doesn't love Christmas, Easter, Right? Because we make it special. But what if we make the Lord's Day special? So in our home, uh, Janie, as long as I can remember, has bought those, those cheap cinnamon rolls, you know, in the little, super easy to make, in that little container you pop open. And uh, that's just what, that's, it takes her all of a couple minutes to pop it in the oven. But what it's done is this. It's caused our kids to grow up. You know, if you ask Allie and Kayla... Now they're going to be 22. They'll tell you, as long as I can remember, there was a smell of cinnamon rolls in our house on Sunday. And you make this sensory connection, even, to something good. It's a good day. It's a special day. And, uh, yeah, and then maybe, you know, it, it, that's, that's also why for me and for others, you know, we, there's certain things we do and we don't do on Sunday because it's, it needs to be restful, but also to make it, um, make it a special day. A day of, of delight. Maybe we have a special dessert on that day. Maybe you know we we save we're saving that for Sunday. And you get that on Sunday, you know, at, at lunch, and the kids grow up recognizing that, so that they begin to associate worship with even God's good common gifts. So these are some ways that we can we can uh, we can really help our children, help these little ones in the tiny bit of time that we have to grow up to be worshipers. Your questions or, or your, your comments or thoughts. Yes, Michelle. I have a comment. As a senior, it is such a delight and such an encouragement to me when we'll be singing or saying something and all of a sudden I catch that catch my ear and it's the little one. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? I totally agree with you, though I am not a senior. Uh, but I totally agree with you. Um, that I think it is, it's one of the biggest blessings ever. You know, are we here, the, the child belting out the doxology even off-key? Let, let them have at it. It's beautiful, you know. Um, it's, we're a big family. So, other thoughts or questions? Yes, Michelle. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the imagery is so... <laughs> That is so great. Yeah. Right. Just for the sake of the recording, if, uh, if everybody didn't hear, Michelle is talking about how good it's been. I mean, she's um, sympathizing with everyone who feels 
um, discouraged at times, especially having, it's the hardest is having a bunch of little ones close in age. It's tough. Um, and Michelle has gone through that. And, um, but as you were saying, Michelle, you know, bringing them to catechism and then they're coming home and teaching you even. It's, it's, and you know how kids are, they're sponges. And so it's important. Having them close in age, let me just say this, please remember, it's a season. It's a season. And I know what it feels like when you're in that season. You're like, yeah, it's a thunderstorm. Ah. You know, but the truth is, any of us who've had kids that, uh, that have grown up, you know, talk, you know, talk to the parents, talk to the Weddles, talk to the Taylors, you know, talk to the Lopez's, talk to you know, us, the Browns, even though we still have a fifth grader. Um, when you see your kids grow up and they're in, by the time in college, you realize, you know what, it is, it's a season. You've got to have the long view. You've got to take the long view. And before you know it, those 18 years are up. And um, so remember, when they're little, yeah, it's hard. They're together. It's work and it's exhausting. But then before you know it, you're, you're past that. It's like the diaper stage. It's so great when they get out of their diapers, right? It's so great when they climb into their car seat on their own, right? Like, yeah, it's past that stage. It's like the same thing in worship. Uh, in the in the various stages that you go through. So, yes, Kathy. Uh, it would also be a blessing to the grandparents watching your children raising the grandchildren. Mm. Right. Right. Isn't it a blessing? I mean, we have three generations in in many cases in, in our own congregation, and what a huge what a huge blessing that is. Other questions, thoughts? Anything that you feel like not, hasn't been covered? Yeah. Um, what encouragement would you give to a family member or friend who is a believer but their husband is unequally yoked? They have children at seven and two mm-hmm. who have not grown up in church, so it would be difficult for them wanting to right. yeah. attend church. Right, it is hard. I would have them talk with Simonetta Carr. Simonetta. Simonetta Carr. She's teaching catechism right now. She has seven kids. Um, Most of them have grown up in the church. Husband never comes. Um, And, you know, she brought him. She just said, this is what we're going to do. And kids knew, this is what we do. When I first met those kids uh, 12 years ago, um, most of them are, are graduated from college or in college now. Um, when I met Jonathan, who's home with the Lord now, um, Kevin, who's at Cal Poly, and, um, and even Rafi, who's now at uh, University of Redlands, they knew so much of the Westminster Shorter Catechism growing up in an OPC. Simonetta just brought them. Didn't have the support, you know, from uh, her spouse, but she just did what she did. And uh, they grew up in the church as a result. It's possible. It's not easy. And we as a congregation need to try to help out. And uh, but I think it's, it's like everything else. It comes down to a matter of priority. What is the most important thing here? What is the most important thing? And it's, you know, so many things we do as parents is important, right? As a dad, I have an obligation, you know, to, to teach my sons certain things, you know, um, you know, how to drive a car, how to fix a flat, how to, um, you know, how to lay down a bunt, you know, how to learn from your father's mistakes. And if you be a Padres fan, you're going to suffer <laughs> disappointment every year, uh, but, you know, I mean, all that stuff, all that stuff that you, you teach and, you know, what does it really compare to uh, bringing them to Christ and doing it consistently and opening up the scriptures? At the end of my life, that's what matters most. That's what matters most. We only have them for so long. Bring them to church. Bring them to church. Our kids should never, never ask, are we going to church today? It should just be understood, this is what we do. 
this is what we do. And um, it should be strange if, that's, if it's the opposite. And the same with family worship. You know, it, it should be strange if well, we, we, didn't, we didn't read the Bible today. Um, we, 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 we have to have that normal rhythm in life. So we, want to, we, want to, we need to encourage each other. It's not easy. It's hard. But find ways to help. Again, couples. We have two services. A husband come sit in the sanctuary in one. Wife sit in the other. You can do it. Say we're going to go. Say all, if your kids are sick, okay, I'll stay home with the kids. You go. And then in the evening, opposite. So that way you're still being fed. And then take the child who's not sick with you. Uh, so that we're being consistent, at least. But bring them. We have to set the example. Because, you know, our kids, what they do is they copy us, right? They mimic us. And so if we're doing this regularly, then, um, then they begin to mimic them. Because you, only got, you can't control their heart, as you know. You can't make them, you can't force them to be Christians. You can't force them to do a lot of things. But you can be faithful with the time that's given so that then you've at least laid down a foundation and raised them a certain way in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So that even if they do walk away from the faith, what are they going to remember? All that scripture and all that catechism they've memorized, we pray it will haunt them and bring them back to Christ. And all of that all of that love and the communion of saints that they've experienced growing up in the church, week in, week out, or ordinary life, they, they miss that. They miss that sense of community. And the Lord can often use that to, to bring a child back, to bring an adult back to faith. I've heard that story many times. So, any, any other thoughts in the last minutes? Yeah, Dan. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, and we don't have to do it with a heavy hand. We don't have to do it with a heavy hand. We don't want our kids growing up hating it because we, the parents were, were just cracking the whip all the time. Um, sometimes you do have to crack the whip. And uh, sometimes you have to tell your kids, this is what we do, this is who we are. But we can do that with love. We do it with love. And just like we say, well, sorry, but you got to brush your teeth. So what we do, um, the same is with regard to, to worship. And, and little by little, especially as we're following up, you, you know, for those of you with little ones right now, you will be surprised by God's grace in the lives of your little ones and by the way the Word begins to change the way they think. You'll be surprised as they grow up the questions they begin to ask. When they're little, they're little parrots. You know, you just say things and they parrot it back to you. But then they grow from being a parrot to where they start having their own thoughts and questions and doubts. And, and if we've taught them and if we're doing our jobs as parents and as, as a pastor and as the church, uh, helping them find the answers uh, in a loving way, uh, then, they, then they go from being a parrot to a poet and beginning to compose their, their own faith and, uh, and, and beginning to understand uh, the things of the Christian faith in a way that will lead them into a lifetime of discipleship. But we lay that foundation down when they're little. So, all right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the time you've given us. We do pray that you would be with every parent, especially those who feel discouraged and overwhelmed. May they be encouraged, Lord, with the great, great opportunity that you have given them to be a steward of these precious children that you have brought into this world and that you have brought into your church. And we pray for the little ones, Lord, that you would work faith in their hearts, they would be disciples of Christ, that they would have a faith that would endure uh, the darkness of night and the heat of day, and that they would arrive in heaven at last uh, because of your grace. So help us as a church, Lord, to love one another and encourage one another in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.